Welcome to School Nutrition Dietitian. I'm your host, Dahlia Kinsey. I work with programs all over the country as a registered dietitian and school nutrition specialist to save operations time and money on everything from employee training, social media marketing, and wellness programs. Every week, I bring you tips, tricks, and inspiration from fellow professionals in school nutrition and related fields. This week, we have Christina Wallace on the show, training coordinator for Bibb County Schools. You'll have to excuse me, I had a deviated septum corrected earlier this week, and for some reason, I imagined recovery was going to be easy peasy, and I did not record this prior to surgery. So that explains why I sound like a mouth breathing monster right now. But anyway, luckily, the rest of the interview was recorded prior to surgery. So let's jump right in. Nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus time to handle business breakfast. You don't want to miss it help your body to replenish clean food clear mind that is the vision tune in to the school nutrition dietitian hi miss wallace how are you doing i'm willing yourself good i'm so glad that you were able to fit me into your schedule i know you're a very busy lady i <laughs> wanted to hear from you about professional standards and successfully training adults, what you think the tips and tricks are that everyone should know. So tell me first a little bit about your background, how you came to be in school nutrition and what experience you already had training grown folks. Okay. Well, I graduated from Fort Valley State with a bachelor's in food nutrition in 2009. And after graduating, I actually got my first job or my first position was with the state of Georgia or the Georgia WIC program where I was a WIC nutritionist. I did that up to a year and a half ago. And at the time, I decided to transition into school nutrition after dealing with the day-to-day emotional stress when it comes to public health. And I decided, okay, I love students, I love kids, I still want an interaction, but I want to be able to have a, have a more hands-off approach. So that's when I started researching about school nutrition, what they stand for, the different positions, uh, when it comes to professional standards, what's the requirements as far as education, et cetera. So... With that being said, when it comes to professional standards, professional standards apply to all school nutrition employees. We have three categories, directors, managers, and staff. And I'm going to break it down even even further. So when it comes to the directors, they're required to actually complete 12 hours per year. When it comes to our school nutrition managers, they're required to complete 10 hours of annual training. And for our staff, Six hours and our part-time staff, they're required, if they're working less than 20 hours a week, they're only um, required to complete four hours of annual training. So when it comes to providing training to our adult learners, 
you can make an assumption that everybody can read. Everybody uh-huh. are techie or are familiar with computers. So once dealing with that, right. so you have to use various resources to make sure that everybody obtain the information that we presented. Right. So when I say be creative, they go from using webinars, um, using handouts, using pre-tests, post-tests, using large fund, I use keywords to draw their attention to key information or important information. So I do a lot of hint hint. I take a lot of breaks. I actually open the floor for them to share their experiences. So right. I try to feed off of their experience and make sure that the floor is open, ask a lot of open-ended questions. And I also, for the sort of that don't feel comfortable with asking questions out in the classroom setting, it encourage everyone to email me. You know what? If you don't understand the information that's being presented, please just email me. And we can do a one-on-one. So it sounds like um, you really tailor the information to the individual students. You give people different ways to interact in the class and you respect people enough to allow them to participate in the learning process, which is probably essential to adult education because people are not coming in as clean slates. They may already be familiar with the subject matter. So it's going to be easier for them to retain it if you get that feedback from them, kind of see where they are and then move forward. Not spending too much time on things people already understand and then really focusing on the areas where they need extra help. Exactly. And you must also respect their time because a lot of them are, are working multiple jobs or they're raising their grandkids or they have kids or they're, they're head of the household. You must respect their time. So Speaking if you're saying that. Kids, is that somebody growling in the background? Who is that? That is my fifth old daughter growling. <laughs> she learned that from daycare. <laughs> so. I know that you said that she'd started growling, but I hadn't heard it. And then I was just like, wait a minute, what is that? At first I thought it was just some kid walking by. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like That's a growl. That's her growling. Okay, so she learned it from school. And she has her pacifier, but she thinks that mommy's supposed to sit back and play patty cake and talk to her the whole time. But <laughs> she's back there growling with no socks off. So needless to say, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and okay. Accurate. But that's hilarious. You I'm hear? Not kidding. I do. Uh, she's cracking me up oh, right now. <laughs> you hear her? And I kept saying, Kathleen, you're going to let Miss Dahlia hear you like this? Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> you don't have rabies or anything. You're making it work. Let me also get your take on what is it like right now working in an intergenerational office? Because I think right now there are more generations present in the office than ever before. So what has that been like for you coming in kind of in a position of authority or as an instructor, as a young millennial, as you call yourself, not a geriatric millennial like I am? These birds are getting loud. So I am here with Miss Christina Wallace. This is part two of our interview um, since 
little six-month-old Kathleen took over the initial segment. We're outside enjoying a sunny day, so that's why the birds are in the background making an obscene amount of noise. So, Christina, let's get back to where we left off. You were explaining how professional standards work and how you work around some of the educational limitations that our employees have because regardless of what their educational background is, everyone is held to the same standard as far as you have to do continuing education credits. Education is ongoing for school nutrition professionals. So what are some of the solutions you found for low literacy employees? The last thing I want to do is to move forward in any training and the participant or the employee is getting further and further behind. I actually try to make sure I put myself in their shoes, my undergrad days, and you're sitting in a organic one or two course and you're ill-prepared and the professor is proceeding, keep proceeding, you're getting further behind, further <laughs> behind, and then before you know it, it's mid-term time and you're sitting at a 20 average. Oh my goodness. So gracious. the last thing I want that <laughs> is to that do, yes. <laughs> And the last thing I want to do is to have an employee set up in the same predicament. Right. So I make sure that I use words that they could actually understand. I don't use large um, words that I have to actually break down the terminology of the words. If the person is low literacy and have bad vision, I also accommodate them and I read out the content to them one-on-one. It sounds like you tailor it to them and you prioritize their dignity, giving them right. private space to tell you when they feel like they need additional support or if they don't understand something. Right. I know we both came from public health and they really stressed that the average person is on about an eighth grade reading level and when you're creating educational materials, you don't want to go beyond that. Right. And the same rules apply in the classroom inside of an organization. But sometimes eighth grade is beyond what people are uh, able to understand. So if that's the average, then that naturally means that some people have less than an eighth grade level of education or reading ability. Right. So you really have to keep assessing to make sure you're not leaving people in the dust. Exactly. Speaking of feeling like left in the dust and biochem, I had a professor say to the class that there was only room for so many, I think he said monkeys at the top of the tree. Oh I don't think he was trying to say anything oh, funny awesome. with the monkey thing, but he just said there isn't but so much room at the top of the tree. Right. So when people were trying to say, hey, you're leaving us behind, we can't keep up, we can't understand, right. he, he had zero sympathy. He was like, listen here, okay. dummies. Some of y'all just aren't going to get it. Right. It's very disheartening. There's not much room on the tree. So. <laughs> I'm like, that is brutal. Yes. That is a horrible thing to say. And I don't really think that it's true. I don't think that there is a natural amount of intelligence that is just the default when you're born. I think right. it's what you're exposed to, what you're giving the opportunities to attempt to learn, and how much time you're given. Because I even know in that biochem class, true, I couldn't get an A in the allotted amount of time because I wasn't as quick as the people who did get an A. Mm -hmm. But given more time, I was able to master those same concepts as well. So especially when you're inside an organization, the objective is to make sure people understand. They don't have to understand at the same pace as everybody else. And we're not going to have that kind of 
weird elitist view that, hey, if you can't get it the first time, you just can't, you're a lost cause, and who cares about you? We're just gonna leave you behind. And that isn't an approach that is beneficial when you're trying to educate adults or teach adults in the workplace. But yeah, he really hurt our feelings with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know that would have hurt my whole little feeling. A lot of people freeze up. A lot of people, and when they freeze up, they forget information, their hands shake, their palms sweaty, their heart raised. They forget everything. I understand the undergrad days. I'm pulling back from my undergrad days, and that's what we're currently dealing with when it comes to training our employees, especially when it comes to adding final exams, post-tests, pre-tests. They know it. They do it every day, but a lot of them are saying that I'm not a test taker. I totally understand. So. That's what I'm dealing with currently, trying to make sure that I am creative in the ways that I actually test our employees to make sure they understand the information that was presented. Right. So, so there are probably more people in this environment that would describe themselves as not being good at test taking right. because this is less of an academic job place right. for the people that you're training or frequently working in the kitchen and behind the front lines. So I can understand that probably pops up a little bit more often. So maybe people who didn't have a great experience in school and who chose to avoid mm -hmm. more academic areas of employment. I see people look a little panic stricken when we tell them sometimes that there will be classes, there will be ongoing educational requirements and there will be tests. I've always felt comfortable with test taking that's so that's not something I can totally relate to I feel like anytime I even kind of know the information I totally pass the test you saw how half part <laughs> you see me by half-hearted studying and I don't have any problems with tests but the retention long term is more of an issue for me so I felt like in school I basically learned how to study for and pass tests not necessarily how to get a strong enough grasp mm -hmm. on the subject matter to use it for the rest of my life. So I've had to adjust the way I teach myself when I, I know up front this is a skill I need to have. And there's a lot of research that supports that testing helps with retention. So when you're studying, instead of reading the chapter again and again and again, it's better to you know go through it, get the outline in your mind then read it all, and then start testing yourself on it. You'll be more likely to retain the information that way, and the more often you're wrong, and you have to think through why you got it wrong and why you were under uh, the wrong impression, the more you learn. But the sad thing is, because of the way people experience testing growing mm -hmm. up, it makes you feel so bad when you don't pass. Nobody is going to be willing to test themselves, right. to teach themselves, even though that's the most effective way to do it. I mean, you're more likely to remember something if you give the wrong answer. If you raise your hand and give the wrong answer when the teacher explains the correct answer, you're not right. going to forget that. Right, right. But nobody is comfortable being wrong. Right. So I think it's very important to try and create a safe learning environment where people are encouraged to take a chance, raise your hand, it's okay to be wrong. The people who are wrong oftentimes end up doing better once the class is over than the people who didn't participate at all or who felt like it was so easy they thought they were right, but oh. they didn't study it to the same extent. And I can say that from personal experiences 
being like, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Sure, I'm going to pass the test. Well, I know as much as a person who struggled and studied, probably not. I agree. So what has your experience been? I know we hear all the time from the baby boomers about (laughs) what it is like to work with us. Well, I'm an elder millennial or a geriatric millennial, <laughs> oh a year like a baby millennial. No, I'm getting what up there. Too. I'm getting up there. Too. That's the funny thing to keep hearing people talk about millennials like they're so young. I'm oh like, has, has everybody noticed we're in our 30s now? Exactly. These babies are in their 30s. Right. So maybe stop calling us babies. Exactly. But anyway, uh, but what has it been like for you being in a really diverse? Uh, work environment right now we have more generations in the workplace than people have for like a hundred years apparently you have in our office for example we have an employee in her 80s and we have an employee in her early 20s right so for you as a trainer what adjustments do you have to make considering that not everybody's a digital native and everybody has different preferences about how they receive their information well, initially, when I actually um, started, when my first two to three months of in this um, position, this current position, a lot of our managers actually made little comments such as, I have clothes older than you. <laughs> so like I'm like, goodness gracious. <laughs> so me being a little millennial, I'm like, goodness gracious, you haven't cleaned out your closet and um, donated those clothes to Goodwill or thrift stores. But needless to say, a lot of my coworkers view me as their young daughter then I have some of my co-workers that actually respect me as their equal so right now I'm still trying to figure out this balancing act when it comes to working in a multi-generational office my experience has been somewhat of a struggle and I actually, it's been an educational experience as well for me. I've actually learned to let my ego down or not let my ego just hinder me from actually learning from my coworkers that been in this field 15 plus years. You cannot allow your ego to actually be a con and you actually advancing in your career. And one way is like, I want to put this guard up. I know everything. I'm a millennial. I know how to use technology. I know all these apps. You can't tell me anything. I have all these certifications and these degrees. I know more than you. It's time for you to go home. You cannot have that mentality. For anything, I look at it from this standpoint. So I'm learning, looking at this from an uh, opportunity to learn from my coworkers. I always go to them and ask for open-ended questions and ask for their opinions and their insight because Guess what? A lot of my coworkers were my school nutrition managers when I was a student in Bill County Public Schools. So right now I'm just learning from them because they're open books. They're books that can tell you what worked in the past, what's currently working. So I'm trying to incorporate their knowledge and my new ideas together, mesh it together in a way that it would benefit our students here. So would you say that when you arrived, you didn't totally understand the value that more seasoned employees might add that we can't add yet. I'm being very, I'm being so honest right now. I want to be transparent as possible. I came in with all these ideas and a lot of my um, co-workers would say I was bushy-tailed, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. 
I got ideas. I know this. I know that. I know this. I know the latest updates. I know all this. I know this. And I'm well-read. I'm well-spoken. I have all these certificates. And look at my degrees. And they were looking at me like, you're still a baby. I have kids older than you. You don't know anything. You haven't been in the schools. You haven't sweat. You haven't spent enough years in the game to tell us what you know. Right. And to a degree, I had to actually show them what I knew. I had to prove myself to them. So it's almost like a, a club. And the club is their family. They already have this established family. And I'm coming in, knocking at the door, saying, let me in, let me in with my little diaper on. So... Well, and in a diaper. Well, I didn't. I didn't have that experience. I think I grew up spending mm-hmm. so much time with people who were fifty years my senior. Even when I was a little kid, like I'd hang out with a neighbor who taught me how to crochet, and I took piano lessons from somebody in their sixties when I was really small. So I just always yeah. assume. And this isn't great either, but my assumption is when I meet someone who's old enough to be my mother or grandmother, I assume this person wants to help me, they want to nurture me, and they don't need anything from me. I I respect them, but I guess I just keep forgetting that I need to really determine on a one-by-one basis what would be a productive way to approach a relationship with somebody? What do they want from you? Some people don't really want any input or support from you. They just want to take the lead. Some people um, expect for you to come in like an equal. It really just depends on the person. I just try and be clear on what their expectations are. And when I think there's a gap between what they think our relationship should be like and what I think it needs to be for it to be productive and for us to meet our goals as a team, then we can address it. So it's funny, like, you were bothered by people kind of calling you baby and treating you like a baby. But at the same time, I feel like I really still feel like a baby yeah and i ask for everybody to take care of me and nurture me that's probably because you're an actual mom and i'm not a mom i'm experiencing this like perpetual childhood so i'm not really offended when someone calls me baby i do think that they are kind of being silly because i am in my 30s and also because my mom was the type of adult who was very respectful Mm-hmm. Even to very, very small children. And just because you're... I remember her saying this. Like, just because somebody's young doesn't mean they're an right. idiot. And she'd say that about people who are two and three years old. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that you don't understand at two years old. And there's a lot of things that you do understand. You're just young and you deserve respect. Exactly. You're a human being. So, for me, it doesn't matter if you're a small child or if you're an elderly person. Everybody has something to share everybody has something to add and everybody knows something that you don't know so like you've realized these are resources that we need to take advantage of while they're available like i feel lucky that we still have some at 80 you will not catch me working anywhere and she comes in faithfully <laughs> every day around lunch yeah at least she's, at <laughs> every least day she's around lunch time. she comes in on time every day and sit in her corner and she made sure she offered you every little snack there is. Available. Well, see, she totally fits my expectations of how I she's expect so older people lovely. to look out for me. 
I, and yeah, patience. with some of these other coworkers, I'm like, where are my caramels? Yeah. Where's my candy? So, like, to I, a degree, we are, <laughs> with some of our um, coworkers, we are spoiled. Because I do have one coworker in particular that she has my favorite candy bar snack size in her bottom drawer. So, whenever I have a little moment that I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just go to her office, sit in my special little desk or my special little chair, and she goes to reach for her bottom drawer and pull out my favorite candy that she purchased just for me. Nobody else could touch. See, and I was going to say, like, sometimes you can't have it both ways because yeah. you're like, I'm a grown-up. And I'm trying and to find this like, balance. Where's my candy? Yes, I'm trying to find a balance. I'm like, thank you so much. She's like, it's okay. I'm going to have to buy some more for you. I'm like, oh, thank you. So, Well, you know, it's true that you can't always be just one thing or the right, other. Right. So everybody's growing, and while we do have plenty to add, no one is perfect, and maybe we're not as grown up as we are going to be when we get to that age but that doesn't mean we're not capable and grown enough <laughs> to be contributing right now yeah it's going to be interesting it's going to be a journey because already with the gen z people coming in oh. a lot of my interns i forget you know when you spend a lot of time with people who are older than you i live in a 55 plus neighborhood because my husband's older and like i said i've always spent time with people older than me you don't notice Mm -hmm. that you are old to some people because you spend so much time around people who think you're a teeny bopper but i had to get my uh, last intern to show me a faster way to get to the airdrop setting on my phone that made me feel really old (laughs) she saw how i was getting to it and she's like why are you doing it the longest possible way oh my goodness but it is an asset to have age diversity in the it office is. for sure because it has even helped us when we have somebody younger around even just for a little bit the insights they can share about what people who are now in college or now in high school are thinking about food service what they're thinking about customer service what they're thinking about technology being more part of their whole work day or food day Mm -hmm. it's good to hear that from someone who's not as far removed from it and even it's amazing to me sometimes to see how comfortable these are the real digital natives well you are too probably but when I was in fifth grade I remember we still had computer labs they certainly weren't everywhere we were still playing Oregon Trail and Tetris it's not the same Same as what people are doing now. They yeah. have a completely different experience with technology. So it's it's, it's fun though. It's, it's interesting. Fun. It's been interesting, needless to say, and a learning experience. Yes. Yeah. Little challenges. Yes. And then you've so. got I always I just call kids at this point tech support, whether or not they want to be tech support. So you've got tech support at home. How how old is your, your son? <laughs> the uh, the oldest is 13 going on 20 and the youngest just turned seven months so yes it's a big age gap i know i started all the way back over 
it blows my mind all the time I see how kid-oriented places are now. And I remember as a kid, it was just get in where you fit in. If you couldn't get to the water fountain, somebody had to pick you up. Now the water fountains are probably lower, so they're wheelchair accessible too. But even that wasn't available. Right, it wasn't. You had better not be a kid in a wheelchair. You just are (laughs) going to be thirsty, I guess, in the 80s. But things have gotten so much friendlier for different ages and for uh, different types of people so when you come to school and it's the only place you go where things do not bend to your will like we didn't like that when we were teenagers imagine being raised in a world where all of your entertainment bends to your will all of the things that you do for fun are actually designed for you made for you it's really weird how far behind sometimes we are in education thinking when you come here, you're going to listen to us. You're exactly. not to be heard here. You're just going to be seen. Like, that isn't a thing that's going to go over well not, with these customers. You not where our have students. to give a voice. Nowadays, we actually, now you actually encourage. I don't, I recall a couple times, you know, being a student. We didn't have this safe place or this little link, interactive link or uh, a now meeting. our kids can give us direct feedback. Right, we didn't have that. Right. Was encouraged. It was like take it or leave it. That's how it was. You know, either you eat or you don't eat. That's how I was brought up. You know, there are kids in other countries that are starving. You're that, not missing yeah, a that meal. Was a story. But Even now, you not finishing your right plate does not help child hunger right. elsewhere. Exactly. But, but now right. it's like okay, so Bob or little Bo Sue, how do you feel about the meals today? What could we change? It's actually encouraged it that we're actually encouraging our students to give their input to actually tell us what we need to do as far as the meals that are provided, and I really love that because that was not encouraged i don't if it was it was never i don't recall it being encouraged the the entire time i was in school definitely not encouraged it was definitely take it or leave it exactly don't talk back it wasn't it wasn't anywhere now a little opinion i remember being told that kids should be seen and not heard exactly um adults are talking yes just a lot is different now and I think that you have to respect your customers yes it doesn't matter if they're one tenth of your age refusing to acknowledge that they've been raised in an environment where they feel like they have the right to voice their opinion and they expect to be accommodated it refusing to acknowledge that doesn't change the fact that it is that way mm-hmm. and if you want for the kids to feel like being in the same space as you, you need to acknowledge what year this is and how things have actually changed. Remember when we were up, so we were on a lunch break and we went to Publix. I think we had our uniforms on. Mm-hmm. And the person who, one of the people who was helping check us out could not have been a baby boomer. He must have been the generation before right. the baby boomers. And he, you know, asked us what we did and we were explaining it to him. He started in on how entitled these kids are. Oh, right. Right, there's a train. And started in on how in his day you just took what you were offered and you were grateful and that was that. And he really seemed personally offended by the fact that things have changed. But it doesn't mean there was anything wrong with the way exactly. we were raised. It just means that things change. Mm-hmm. And that's the only constant in life. And 
liking it doesn't prevent change from happening. Exactly. So you just embrace it and you don't have to love everything about it, but right. just accept the reality of what is. I think that's even like a that's a Buddhist precept that all suffering comes from resisting the reality of what is. So even when you're complaining about anything, you're discontent about anything, you were wishing that something that is was something else. And unfortunately, just wishing that something that is would be something else doesn't do anything. So if it's not something you can exert any control over, you may as well focus your energy on getting used to it or like building a bridge and getting over it because it is what it is. If there's nothing you can actually do about it. Now, I know in your household, you run a, a tight southern <laughs> traditional ship. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And, that, and that's something you can do. Like, there's yes, a space that you can exert control over. Yes, ma'am. So especially when it comes to uh, meal planning or preparing our meals, I do not prepare two different meals for that day. Yeah. So at the Wallace household, um, the Wallace it is what it you're is. offered. It is what it is. You kind of, you, you kind of go back. Say, Thank you. Yeah, you kind of go back to your childhood. You kind of uh, pull back from that when you become an adult. But yes, I cook all the meals for the entire the upcoming week. The Sunday, the Sunday, the day before, you know, Monday, I cook up all the meals and I put them in the three compartment little um, trays and. They're BPA free, dishwasher friendly. So I have to say that for my coworker because she is very much so earth friendly. Or yeah, are you so, throwing these? No, I'm out? not. No, okay. no, ma'am, no, ma'am. They're reusable, three compartment little trays, and so I put all their meals in the refrigerator. So each day. You just go in the refrigerator and pull it out. There's no stopping at a fast food establishment unless it's Friday. So Monday through Thursday in a Wallace household, you have a prepared meal for you. Right. So, yes. And that's the only way I'm able to do it because right now I'm still learning everything it is to know about the field of school nutrition. I'm still learning. So there are early mornings. There are very much late afternoons, early as five o'clock in the morning till sometimes we're not getting out till six thirty, seven o'clock right. for myself. Now, some coworkers get off even later. Yeah. So with this being my first year and a half into this position, I'm trying to make sure I find my balance. At. I'm balancing motherhood. I'm balancing being a new employee in the field of school nutrition coming from public health. So that's what I'm that's what I'm doing to try to, you know, create some type of normalcy and balance in my life right now. You, <laughs> you so can tired. tell I'm still <laughs> learning. Well, I would say that my suggestion to anyone else who's new right. at any position is to treat it almost like a class and just acknowledge that you are going to have to study. You yes. will be at home yes. reading things, reading regulations, trying to catch up. And Doing that a is a part of taking on a new position. Yes. And you just have to accept that you're learning. You can't just show up and expect to know everything. And you can't show up and expect for everyone to spoon feed you everything. Exactly. So you're going to have to be willing to 
take advantage of the resources you're offered and do supplemental reading when you're at home mm-hmm. and you're off the clock. Like it's just yes. part of life. If you want to close that gap between you and people who have more experience, you have to make an effort to acquire that additional information. And even then, there's mm-hmm. just a lot to be said for experience and book learning is separate from that. But right. you will do better about retaining information and learning lessons if you have seen the information prior to you encountering it in real life. Or at least I do better that way. So And give yourself enough time to learn it. That's one thing I think I if I could give anybody some advice, give yourself set yourself a, a goal, some goals, weekly goals, daily goals, monthly goals, quarterly, etc. So you could actually See yourself. Assess your progress and actually see yourself progressing when it comes to you becoming comfortable in your new position. Because sometimes it can uh, come off, or in my case, I was somewhat overwhelmed because you come in and you already have co workers and managers and employees that are actually reporting to you that have years of experience anywhere from 10 plus years so you're coming in as the new kid on the block and you're trying to make sure that you understand all the new guidelines the old guidelines because guess what there are they are going to reference the old guidelines back in my day we did it this way so you got to make sure that you're not just standing there with your mouth open or like a deer in the headlights you yeah you to have sure. to know enough yes to be able to make the distinction between old information and current information right so yes people are an asset as far as your training process goes and they're an excellent resource but if it isn't someone's job to be abreast of all the current changes it would be kind of silly to assume that they definitely are telling you what is currently the right information you should definitely double check yes please double check (laughs) Reliable resources, USDA.gov, yeah. etc. You don't have necessarily have to check while they're standing there. Are you sure about that? No, but you, may, you probably want to be sure that you have looked and read through the regulations exactly. yourself. And keep up on all the updates that are constantly coming from the USDA. Yes, please. So the resources are out there for a reason. Yeah. But see, since you are the nutrition association. (laughs) Yeah, you're late with (laughs) Yeah, don't just trust, you know. Word of mouth. Yeah. These things are in writing. It's not. You need to be able to refer to the information. (laughs) So. Especially if you're responsible for training other people. You absolutely don't want to be responsible for spreading outdated information or inaccurate information. Exactly. I know you take that very seriously. Yes. So, yeah, there should be people in your organization that you can trust for current information. But that isn't everybody's job. So it's understandable that you can be totally confident when you're telling somebody something and you are informed and you do do your job well. And the thing that you're speaking about is just outdated by one year. Well, maybe that's not bad from your perspective, but that that's certainly not going to help the person who's going to be given that information. If people aren't going to question it, you know, that really becomes problematic. So you definitely have to do your due diligence before you create your coursework, your course yes. outlines and make sure you are totally up to date on everything. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, busy lady. Thank you so much for having me. 
I really appreciate Christina coming on this show and sharing her insights with us. I plan to have other people who specialize in educating adults later on because it's good to get a variety of perspectives on something that can be as complex as adult education. We really want for our employees to get the most out of their educational contacts with us. All right, everybody, remember the only fee for this show is that you share it with others anytime you hear something useful, and hopefully that'll be every episode. I'll see you next week.